0: Amen. Thank you for the music, and again, thank you for being with us this morning. We were supposed to start this last week, but uh, Mr. Kenny did not want to speak in front of the camera the first week, and then I said, you got no option. So it's the camera, or we're waiting until the next time that you're speaking. So he spoke in front of the camera last week. But uh, nonetheless... Uh, Thank you so much for being here. I am excited to get into this series that we are in, um, leading others. If you are familiar with our church, our uh, mission statement is to lead others to be passionate followers of Christ. And it is our desire to do all that we can to lead people into a relationship with the Lord and encourage them to just passionately seek after Him. Obviously, we can't... uh, I can't change a heart, I can't do any of those things, but I can do everything within my power to follow after God, to seek after God, and lead others as I am passionately seeking Him, that I would lead others in that same walk um, and encourage that. And so our mission is that, that we would lead others. And our vision statement says this, Oasis Baptist Church is a family of believers growing in the Word of God daily, encouraging one another, living a Christ-centered life so that the power of Christ through Oasis creates an impact on the community that transforms leading others to Christ and uniting us for God's glory. And so as we look at that thought of uh, being a passionate follower, leading others to be a passionate follower, this statement really just says how that's happening and uh, that we would uh, grow in the Word of God daily, that we would, out of that, encourage others, that we would live a life that is Christ-centered, that is Christ-honoring. Because of that life, it would be an encouragement to others, it would impact others' lives, ultimately with that intention uh, to see others come to know the Lord as Savior and that we would be united um, as a church. And so I I share all of that. We're not... Um, I have never really done a huge, uh, annual theme, uh, as, as a pastor here, but we usually have some type of a theme that we preach through that we kind of talk through. And usually, uh, the last several years that has been through our, um, core values. And so this, this next few weeks and really throughout this year, the intention is that on sharing him. And so, uh, Here at Oasis, it is our desire that we would uh, know the Lord, we would walk with Him, we would share Him, and that we would be a united family. And so, uh, just as a a short snapshot of uh, kind of a a simple vision, if you will, and just a few moments of who we are, um, it is our desire that we would truly know the Lord, that we would love Him, that we would seek Him, and that we would be a united family. And when I say that, my heart and our heart as a church is that we are a family, and this is not, the, the thought is not uh, that we just come to the end of the year and we have a business meeting and everybody votes the same way and that we all get all the things that we want as far as the church goes, but it's genuinely that we are caring for each other, that we are loving each other, that we are lifting each other up in prayer, that we are helping each other out throughout uh, the days that we have. And so um, it's, that's just a little bit of who we are as a church. And, and so as we come into this, Year we look at this idea of sharing him. We look at this, this thought of leading others. Um, I guess the typical uh, evangelism type of a series would be somewhat centered around the Great Commission, uh, that we would uh, baptize and, and that we would share and teach and baptize. And, and all of those things are obviously, uh, that's what, Christ told the disciples to do: "Go ye therefore and teach." Um, and and so I'm not going to discredit any of that, but we're not going to spend time a lot in that thought, if you will, um, over the next couple weeks. I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm off, but I genuinely feel uh, that when it comes to the church, when it comes to disciple or evangelism when it comes to a lot of these things we as pastors and as church leaders have said go ye therefore over and over and over and over and over again and we need to (laughs) not not taken away from that but I think sometimes in the comfort of where we live in the comfort of these united states that we have um been living in and that we live in, I feel that we've missed out on a huge part of what that entails, and maybe I'm wrong and i'm i'm I've been there before uh, that would not be the first time, but I truly believe that we are seeing things, and my intention today is not to touch on all of the things that we are going through as a nation, but I believe in the last year that My eyes have been open to things differently than I've ever experienced personally. I believe that I have realized some of my comfort level and how it's not necessarily a good thing because my comfort level has allowed me to stay in my own cute little bubble of my own group of people that all think like me, that act like me, that talk like me, that do things like me. And I can just say, well, those people over there, I don't really care for them, so I'm just going to stay here. Uh... And I think that that has happened both in the the regular daily realm of life as well as it has happened inside of the church and in the church as well. And so my concern and my struggle is that in so many ways we have become so comfortable that this last year has caught us by such surprise that we really don't even know how to function. As believers, as the church, I mean, just being open and honest, the church, as the church pastor and talking to other pastors and conferences that we go to and all of those things, uh, I don't think that I would catch you off guard by most of that includes how do we get more people in the seats? How do we get bigger? How do we grow a larger church? How do we get a bigger facility? How do we have more services and, and, and all of these things? And how do we get the guests to come back the next time? And how do we get this person to serve in that position? And and all of those things are great. All of those things are great. I'm not discrediting the reality that we need to reach more people, but in the process of desiring to reach more people, to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, I feel that we have failed in a lot of things, and that's getting down to the nitty-gritty of truly what the Christian life is and truly what we face every single day. And I'm not saying that we've necessarily just watered everything down just to put people in. I do believe there's some churches that have watered everything taken the gospel out of everything, and they've taken sin out of everything, and it's just love, 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 love. And I, I believe that that's out there, and I'm not one to call out names. That's not who I am. But yes, that has happened, and yes, that's going on. But I believe even in what I feel our church has stayed grounded in the Word of God, I feel sometimes we've become comfortable in trying to get to the bigger place. And in getting to the bigger place, we've failed at some of the things that are foundational here, that when last year hit, we're all just a lot uncomfortable. See, the, the great commission is to go, you therefore, it's to make disciples. Nowhere in God's word does the Bible speak of making converts or growing the largest church I believe that there was larger churches in scriptures. It would, you could see that where masses of people came together and Jesus taught and so on and so forth. But it ultimately all goes back to that disciple making piece. And so as we come to this morning and we look at some of these things, the series is not intended to be gloom and doom. The series is not intended for me to tell all of us how we've done poorly and that, you know, all of these things. We just need to get uncomfortable. That's really not the part but i do believe that we have in our comfort we have missed out on what's really happening and what's really happening in god's word in chapter 6 of ephesians he says that our battle and our the war that we are facing is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and we don't really like to talk about it let's just be really flat out honest i don't like to talk about spiritual warfare I don't know that you guys do, but I, it's just not something that you're like, "Hey, did you know?" <laughs> like we just don't, because it's an unknown in many regards. It's an unknown we don't fully grasp. But I can't fully grasp. But it. it, there's a lot of things in Scripture that we we speak of out of faith, and we speak, <laughs> but we really just I don't fully know, because there's really, it, we just don't fully know. But the division in the things that we have faced, I believe, and in, in large part, the fear of sharing, the fear of living a Christian life, the fear of so many different things inside of our comfort, it's because we've allowed that to kind of say, well, I'll just live my comfortable life being a good person, going about my day, and I just won't deal with that. And I think 2020 smacked us in the face with all of that and we all went back and we were like uh what do we do and what have we found ourselves doing fighting or nothing or fighting oh you think i should wear a mask masks are stupid masks don't do anything Masks saves the world covid this Democrat that, Republican that, black that, white that, do you realize all of that is a spiritual battle that we are facing and we're being punched in the face with it as we fight with flesh and blood? Because I don't like you because you think differently than me. So, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. I did this in just shy of an hour and a half last time. We'll see if we can get through it. No, I'm just kidding. Kind of. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start in verse number 10. We're going to go to verse number 20. And uh, this morning's sermon, as much as anything, I genuinely believe this. It's not something that you're going to hear for the first time and you're going to go, Oh my word, I didn't. Now there may be somebody, but most of you in this room are not going to be like, I've never heard heard that, but my prayer is, as it has been for me personally, that these things that I've heard, for me, me it's almost my entire life, I never, I don't know that I've experienced it in the manner that I've experienced it in the last nine months of my life. And it hit me as I was talking to somebody about seven, eight months ago, what are you doing thoughts? He kind of stopped me and he said, But Aaron, here's what we all have to remember and what you have to know. When you watch the news, you watch the news and when you look at world, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> world events and current events and local events you look at that through the lens of, a, of the Bible. Your lens in which the way that you see it and you process and you think of it is different than anybody else. Not anybody, but most everybody else. And so we see things, and I'm not saying it as a prophetic manner, but we look because we see it through the lens of God's word or we see it through the lens that God would give wisdom or we see it through a lens that is different listen when I look at race relations I look at that different than the guy that does not know the Lord I look at COVID and I look at all of these things I'm looking at it different than somebody who has no hope beyond tomorrow when I look at our government my government I'm telling you right now the government will not save anybody It is not our hero. It's corrupt. It's wicked. And it has been from the beginning of time because it's infiltrated with people. (laughs) But I look at it through a lens knowing that whoever sits in the highest seat in America is not going to save my life. A lot of people don't. I also look at it From the lens of God's word that, listen, God placed good kings in position and God placed bad kings in position because God is a sovereign God who has a plan and I simply am in it and have to trust in him and have placed my faith in him to say, God, I may not know it and I may not like it and I may whatever, but God, I know that you are God. I am not, we look at things from a different perspective. And this passage of scripture, I don't know how many times this year I have reread that because it's not, I'm not battling you. And if you sit in here, there's probably people in this room right now that if we were to have a conversation, you would not agree with the same way that I agree politically, with a mask, without a mask, Black, white, whatever it is. And that's okay. But we also have to understand that most of that is a deception of the enemy, and that we have to realize that my fight is not against you. Your fight is not against the neighbor. Your fight is not against the invisible person you argue with on social media. Your fight is not against any of that. We don't battle flesh and blood. We battle spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father God, I come to you this morning. And Lord, it is no uh, surprise the, the things that we are facing as a nation. It's not a surprise to you. And it's not a surprise what we're seeing. And so Lord, this morning I come and not so that we would focus on those things but god i pray that this would be a reminder if you will for those of us that sit in this room that know you as lord and savior father there may be somebody that sits in this room that does not know you as savior and for them to see and to understand and to uh, for you to speak into their lives the truths of the gospel but to see that the The battle that they have is not against those that are around them, but God, it's truly a, there's an enemy that's out to destroy. God, help us today. Take the words that you've given to me and lay them on the hearts of each one that sits here that we may walk out seeking you in a greater, more passionate manner. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. The very first thought, the the title of of today is simply be strong and stand. And the first thought is this, is that we must know the enemy we battle. We must know the enemy that we battle. I I speak often of this. Uh, One of my greatest passions was always playing baseball. Uh, I played a lot of baseball and now I'm old and I play old man slow pitch softball. Um, because that's what we do. But hey, I will, I'm going to say this publicly, and everybody online can know this. This last year, I am the oldest man on our team, and I won the batting title for my, our team. Aren't you proud of me? I mean, hey, for whatever it's worth, nobody cares, but there we go. But no, I, I still play. I love the game. I love being out there. I love acting like I'm 18, 19, 20 years old again. I enjoy it. But when I played baseball, there was a couple things that I loved more than anything. How many of you love baseball or played? or? So there's some of you. Do you notice the ages of all of us lovers of baseball? (laughs) Do you notice that? No young people love baseball anymore. Anyway, baseball to me, I loved defense and I loved stealing bases. I really, no, I should not steal. I really, I was not the best of hitters I could get on because I was short, I was fast, I never had the greatest of averages until I played old man softball. And, but if I got on base, I could steal. One of the things that I would do that I was, I don't know if you'd say I was good at, but I would study the pitcher. I would study the pitcher. And when I'm on base, The pitcher, typically a right-hander, would have to turn to throw to first base to pick you off. But you would watch little things when they would come to set. You could watch their shoulders. You could watch the way that they would pick up their legs. You could watch the way that their back leg would do certain things. But I would study all of those things. And every time one of my teammates got on first base, I was watching the pitcher to see what rhythms that he would get himself into. Typically, the pitcher would get themselves to a rhythm. They would come in. They would come up. They're looking over their shoulder. Some would look over their back shoulder. They would move certain moments, motions. And when they would do certain things, I could go and I could steal. Second base, it was the same thing. In second base, it's worse. Pitcher gets. They look back at second base. They look home. They look back at second base nine out of ten times. They look in the moment that they turn their head this way. They're going home. I'm standing on third base before the catchers even caught the ball. Why? Because they get into the same routine over and over and over and over and over. I'm studying the enemy. The person that is on the other team. I'm studying those things in war and in battle. What do they do? They get to know the enemy. A team will study video and and plan and scheme. I don't know if you watched football yesterday or not, but uh, I was watching a little bit of a football game and Russell Wilson lost a man. I can't stand Seattle. But uh, he, they were trying to throw a quick out route to, or whatever they call it, to the wide receiver here. The defender saw it, busted through the, the blocker and the receiver to catch it for a, a touchdown. Why? Because he had studied the play. He knew that when that guy did this, this was going to happen. Listen, when it comes to spiritual things, it's not much different. We have to know where we live, what we're doing, the The fight that is in front of us. In verses 11 and 12, it gives us just a couple things. It says that there's uh, the wiles or the schemes. It says we do not fight against one another or flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, so on and so forth. Sometimes I feel that we just don't really talk about a lot of these things because it's uncomfortable, but we have to understand this. And for the next moment, I just want to read what God's word says about the battles and the enemy in which you and I face. Because if we don't recognize it, we will always fail in what's placed in front of us. Even when we do recognize it, we fail oftentimes at the struggles that are placed in front of us. God's word says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Your adversary the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil does not love you, the devil wants to destroy you, devour you. John chapter 8 and verse 44, He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth In him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. Revelation chapter 12 says that the dragon was cast out. (coughs) Excuse me. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. John chapter 12 says he's the prince of this world. Ephesians chapter 2, the prince of the power of the air. In Genesis chapter 3, we see him as a serpent. We see him as crafty. We see him as subtle and deceptive. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Beautiful. The deceptions before us are beautiful. The Bible refers to the devil... As the anointed cherub and Ezekiel, the ruler of demons and Luke, the ruler of this world, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He is identified as a great dragon, a roaring lion, the vile one, the tempter, the accuser, and the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. He is called Satan, which means adversary. He is called the devil, which means slanderer. The fallen archangel and his fallen angels who became demons have been tempting and corrupting mankind since the fall. They are an evil, formidable, cunning, powerful, invisible foe against whom I will fail by myself every time. Because in and of myself, I don't have the power. The evidence of Satan's power and work is everywhere it's everywhere it's inside of the church it's outside of the church we see it in people that are doing good things that are trying to deceive you because of what's taking place over here we see it in people that are just blatantly flat out doing wrong and they're telling you that they're doing wrong because they don't care the enemy is at work And we must know and see. We see it in believers. We see it in fallen leaders of ministries. We see it in pride and selfishness. And this morning, I'm not coming to you to let you know anything that you've never heard before. I'm not coming to to scare anybody. I'm not coming to just put a sound clip out there I'm not coming to any of those things but I believe with everything in me I genuinely feel that God has shown me something if that would be the right words to be said but that that the battle and the things that we face and that we are seeing on a daily basis it's a spiritual wickedness and I feel that the church has been completely caught off guard because we are not prepared because we are not uh, wearing the armor of God we are not standing and now we are where we recognize listen I don't care which side of the aisle that you're on that's a spiritual battle that we've absolutely ridiculous but this virus has created and I'm not trying to speak conspiracy theory I'm really genuinely not nation not a nation a world and I think sometimes we're just caught off guard and we just go oh It's everywhere. And we, as believers, are being asked questions and oftentimes I don't think we're prepared for an answer. I'm being asked questions. What's this? What's that? Why? Because where people are uncertain, they look answers. And listen, I, this is the only thing that has the truth that the people out there or the people that don't know need, don't like what they believe in. That's where we're at. And I just came down and just yelled right at you guys. <laughs> but that's where we're at. And I genuinely believe it is because it's not that we don't know we fight spiritual wickedness. It's that we're not prepared because we've been so comfortable for so long. And I said this, what did I say, nine, ten months ago, it may be a good thing to be a little bit uncomfortable as a church. We must know the enemy that we're facing. We also must know the plan of victory. Let me encourage you. I gave you some maybe discouraging news. Let me encourage you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You win. We have victory. We can say it all the time. Oh, we know the end of the book. But here's the reality on the other side of that is, yes, we have victory, and we know what's taking place tomorrow, speaking of I mean there's a part of that? But I'm ready. If God comes back tomorrow, if God takes me tomorrow, I'm prepared, I'm ready. I know that I have victory, eternally speaking. But do you know what? I live in victory today. But the problem is, because we don't understand and we don't see and we don't walk in it, we sometimes, we just think, well, I guess one day I'll get to worship with Jesus for all of eternity and I'm going to have victory over there. No, I have victory today. It's freeing to know that over there is going to be good. It's freeing to live that way today. It really is. It's freeing also to know that God didn't just say, here you go, now go. He gave us, he gave us scripture, he gave us his word, and he tells us, how to do it so that we can live in that victory. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, he says this in verses 13, so on. Well, (coughs) excuse me. Sorry. I was positive. Um, He says, put on the whole (laughs) arm. Thank you, Troy. I'm glad that you smirked and laughed. He says, put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The plan is this if we were to really walk through what God's word says. We live in division, we live with deception, we live with all of those things. But God's word says to stand, put on the armor stand and then it says to what stand against the wiles stand against the schemes of the devil stand against the enemy but if i'm not prepared if i don't have the armor if i don't do those things i can't stand i have to stand in his might i we said this earlier the enemy is stronger than you but he is not more powerful than God. And so as we walk through this and we look at this, I'm not going to spend a ton of time walking through each one of these pieces of armor. I probably should have made this about a five or six week series. Instead, I made it about a 45 minute sermon. But when we look at this, it says finally in verse 10, be strong. And he doesn't say, finally, be strong in you. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know the greatest, one of the most freeing things is to stop and to realize this little guy here is pretty worthless. (laughs) Pretty worthless, But when I die to myself and I say, God, here I am. Use me in whatever capacity that I can be used. I'm just here as a vessel. And in his might. My salvation is not based on me. Your salvation is not based on me. My children's salvation is not based on me. it's in him it's so freeing but he says finally be strong in the lord and in the power of his might the plan starting there my strength has to be in him the only way that i can stand is if i'm standing in his power in his might and i under i must understand that the entire plan of victory has nothing to do with me, except me saying, God, I need you. God, I can't do it. You have to in and through me, in his power. And so as we look at this, walk with me just quickly. It says to be girded with truth. To be girded is the, again, most of you probably... know this but that the belt that would cinch kind of everything together would be girded our the truth has to be the foundation of where we are spiritually speaking it is truth of God's word it is self-discipline of being committed to truth it is that commitment to renew my mind daily this is a constant constant battle but the truth that which I would gird myself with we were to look at it in a battle in armor, it would be the waist, around the waist, everything would come together there. That it has to be based on truth. That we would gird our lives with truth. That we would put on the breastplate of righteousness. When they would put on a breastplate, again, it would cover their chest. It would cover their back. It protects your lungs and all your vital organs and so on. Tied to the belt, or the girded with truth, righteousness is to be taken, wrapped around our whole being. What does God's word say? When you come to know Christ, you are clothed in his righteousness. I know that. But this speaks of walking and living in that righteousness. Day by day, I am to do my best to seek after the Lord, to walk in righteousness says that we would put on the feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I believe that most of you know this, but your shoes are very important to your physical health. Your feet are vitally important to your physical health. When your feet hurt, everything hurts. I went a year and a half trying to figure out what happened to my feet when I started speaking and standing in dress shoes all the time. My feet hurt. I spent hundreds, how, I don't know how many pairs of shoes I bought, hundreds and hundreds of dollars because my feet hurt. I would feel like I ran a marathon every day. And I've never ran a marathon and I don't plan on it. But they hurt. It says here that they, our shoes, our feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel. The soldiers could potentially be walking for miles and miles and miles in all forms of different weather and so on and so forth. They need the right shoes and the right feet have to be comfortable. But it's a preparation. It's that we have to be prepared to go to tell the good news. Are we prepared to share and live and give that to others? The shield of faith. A shield would typically be used by those that would be in the front lines of battle. The faith in Christ that appropriates salvation and continues to bring blessing and strength as it trusts Him for daily provision and help. Satan continually bombards God's children with temptations, with immorality, with hatred, with envy, with anger and covetousness and pride and doubt and fear and despair and distrust and so many other things. They are constantly being shot at us. And the purpose of all of Satan's missiles is to cause you and I as believers to forsake our trust in God, to drive a wedge between the Savior and those that are saved, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. If we lose hope in the future, think about this. Have you ever, have you ever been near somebody that has no hope of, eternal, of their salvation, of what's to come tomorrow? Have you ever been at the, the bedside of somebody that's passing with their family members that they have no hope of what tomorrow holds? I know of three people in the last two weeks that have went home that have passed away. Two of them knew Christ, one of them did not. Do you know talking to those family members are completely different? looking at somebody or texting somebody or telling somebody, I praise God for the hope that I have in him and in salvation because I know what tomorrow holds and the the eternal security that we have in God and as opposed to the person that has no hope beyond today. The helmet of salvation is that great hope of final salvation that gives us confidence and assurance that our present struggle will not last forever. The battle for this life is just a split moment compared to eternity. Do you have that helmet of salvation? The sword of the Spirit, it is talking of a, a dagger, if you will, when it comes to the, the, the armor that would be worn, but this is not a physical weapon designed by humans but the perfect spiritual weapon of divine origin and power. Like the shield of faith and like the helmet of salvation, it is always to be at hand, always to be ready to be taken up. I loved what I read this week from a Scottish Scottish pastor, his name's Thomas Guthrie. He says, The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons. A laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It is a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. This morning, we must know the enemy that we face. This morning, we must know, and to the best of our ability, live out the victorious plan that God has laid forward to put on the armor, and I don't know where you are, I don't know how you wake up in the morning, I don't know how you face your day, I don't know if that's Bible reading in the morning, I don't know if you read at night, I don't know if you read at all, I would encourage you, but maybe, just maybe, it's you waking up, and as you put on your clothes, on your shirt as you do your hair or whatever it would be that you would say God I don't know what today holds and God as I put these shoes on today I don't know the person that I am going to come across but God would you prepare me to share the truth and the hope of the gospel message of peace to the person that needs it the last thought this morning is stand in the strength of the Lord It says this over and over in this passage that we would stand. Take unto the whole armor to withstand. Having done all to stand. Stand therefore. (laughs) And it says in verses 19 and 20, And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. To make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We've been given victory. We must understand, again, that that victory is not in us. I am not victorious in and of me. It is Christ that gives that. He has conquered And given me hope. But yet we have to live in that plan that God has given us. We have to live in his power and his might. That we would be strong in the Lord. That we would stand. And we can only stand as we stand in his power. How many of you have uh, attempted. We'll use the word stand. But you've attempted to stand on your own. And you've done it Right day two days you're feeling good for a minute it usually doesn't last long or if it does you'll come to me and you'll go pastor i just don't understand and i'll say well have you done this well no have you been doing this no (laughs) when was the last time you read well i don't know do you think you might want to try those things Well, but you don't understand, I'm a little busy. Well, maybe there's a problem. You think you can do it by yourself. There's been countless times in my life where I thought I could do it by myself and I'll get so far. I'll get days, I'll get weeks, I'll get months, I'll get years into it and I'll step back and I'll go, God forgive me. It's time wasted. I have done it on my own. I've tried it on my own. I can't stand on my own. And as we look at scripture and it speaks of sharing and we talk this these next few weeks about sharing we have to understand the battle that we face we have to realize yes God's told us to go and make disciples to baptize he's told us to do all of those things but we're doing it in the midst of spiritual wickedness and sometimes we don't grasp it and we forget it and I feel that I've grasped it or I've I've grasped it, but I've forgotten the wickedness and I've forgotten the battle and I've gotten so comfortable that it's just become easy. And I needed 2020 to smack me in the face to remind me of the true wickedness in which we live. And as we look at this passage of scripture, it says... It says that the utterance may be given unto me, that I would open my mouth boldly, that I would make known the mystery of the gospel. Listen, as we know the enemy, as we put on the armor that God has called for us to put on, and we walk in that, and we stand in that It says that he would give us the utterance. He would give us the words. He would give us the the things to say. He would put the people in front of us. He would allow that, that I would speak and speak boldly for him as his ambassador. Sometimes when I read scripture and I begin to process through, I think, God... Why in all of the world would you have said that Aaron would be an ambassador for you? You ever thought that? (laughs) Because I can run fast. God, why, why would you choose me to speak on your behalf? Have you lost your mind? I do speak boldly. Usually it's not the right thing to say though. I get told to put this in this often. I'm going to share a story. You will laugh. Hopefully, you'll laugh. We thought it would be you just want to go out to eat? We wanted to go out to eat because my wife was being my wife, and she's like, I'm not cooking for you tonight. I said, Fine, we'll go somewhere. Just kidding. But we were like, yeah, you know, and let's, so we go out to eat. We go to Habit Burger. There was five of us. Riley was out at the ranch riding on horses. So there's the other five of us. I think there was five of us, right? <laughs> and we walk in. The big sign, no more than four people at a table. Which is irritating, but whatever. So we go in. No tables are even open. Every stinking table has a sign. Due to whatever. And I'm like, six foot regulation, this table to that table is 65 feet. What do you need? I don't understand. So we find two tables. One here, one there. Remind you, I will speak boldly because I'm an idiot like that. Brinley and me, go sit at one table... The other three are at the other table. And I feel like I got up and down 85 times because there wasn't ketchup or there wasn't, Because you know, you can't touch ketchup, can't have ketchup, blah, blah. Can't get your own ketchup anymore. Now I have to give you all the packets. So, in my wonderful attitude, hey, Mindy, do you guys have any napkins? I'm like yelling, like across the aisle. I'm really not being funny, I'm just irritated. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing, we live in the same house, why can't I sit at the same table? My phone is buzzing and Mindy says, you're not being a good example for your children. I wanted to take my cheeseburger and throw it across the table. I'm like, I don't really care right now because this is the stupidest thing in all the world. Speaking boldly like that is not exactly wise. And God's word never just says that we would... Boldness isn't me standing up on some big pedestal and just getting everyone's attention and being brash and bold and the loudest person in the room. Boldness is me having the opportunity in the midst of the situation in which I'm in and the conversation is going in the way that it's going to me to stop and say, hey, can we, can we divert that conversation to this because the true matter is this. Boldness isn't always something that is gonna smack somebody in the face and be harsh. Boldness is just saying what needs to be said in the right moment when God gives you the utterance, if you will, to say that which needs to be said. I can say a lot of things that are bold and really dumb, like sitting at Habit Burger. But I can also in the quietness of a conversation sitting at a table say the most bold and profound thing that was exactly what needed to be said but was out of humility and out of a sweet and tender spirit because God gave me the right words to say. And I think sometimes because we have become so Accustomed in our day in which we live, that we, we feel like we have to say something, we have to combat it, we have to argue. We must understand as believers, the battle that you're facing is not with the person that you're arguing with. The battle that we face is against the spiritual wickedness the enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing it through every deceptive manner that he can do. He's making it look beautiful. He's doing all of those things while we fight with each other and get angry at the person while we lose our testimony and the ambassador side of it just has completely gone out the window. This morning... We must be strong and we must stand. We must know the enemy that we face in battle. We must know the plan that God has given us in victory to put on the armor, (coughs) excuse me, to put on the armor, to do those things so that we can stand, so that we are prepared, and so that when the time comes, the boldness will flow out of my mouth with love because he has given it to me father this morning as we dive into your word a passage truly that is one I believe that we've looked at and read and studied and uh, for many in this room it's been their whole lives I know for me it's literally been my whole life of hearing this pastor but I also believe with everything in me that I've become so comfortable that I have missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because it's been about me or because it's just me not realizing the battle that I'm actually facing. And so, Lord, this morning I pray, as I have all week, God, that we as a church, that we as individuals inside of this room, this family, that we would truly take a step back and that we would be reminded of the spiritual battle that we face. The struggle that we are battling and the struggle that we are facing today, it's not about all of the things that the media is showing and shoving in our face. It's about a spiritual thing. People need you. And God, we have to be prepared to give the answer. Father, there may be somebody that sits inside of this room right now. They're having a battle that they may not understand as a spiritual battle. They've been unhappy. They're miserable. They've tried to make more money. They've tried to to move. They've done all of the things that they know to do, but they're still miserable. And God, I pray that even right now you would speak to them and you would show them, God, that you sent your son to die upon the cross, that they have hope of tomorrow. That the battle that they are facing is not any of those things. Rather, it's them saying, oh, God, I need you. Would you come and be the savior of my life? And God, for others that sit here, they're frustrated. They're blocking everybody on Facebook and Twitter and they're they're blocking this and they're not ever going back to that and they're doing all of these things because they've allowed that to be their focus. God, help them, show them that they too can stand and they too can have influence but they can live in victory today. Father, I thank you for meeting with us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.